How you doing? My name is Chad Bruckner. I am a uh, pr president of a private investigation firm and a motivational speaker and currently an author working on a, a book. So uh, I want to start with uh, what inspired you to join the military? Yeah, it was, um, I come from a service oriented family. So my, my father served, his father served, my other grandfather served, uh, my younger brother served, followed in our footsteps. So it was kind of always this, this ethos in our house of, of commitment to others and service to others. So now growing up, I didn't do the best in school. So uh, naturally when, when it was time to graduate high school, it was probably the option, best option for me was the military. And that's kind of what our family did. I mean, we serve people. My sister's a nurse and uh, my brother's currently police officer and, and service runs in our blood. So yeah, 17 years old, man, I signed on the dotted line, got my parents even signed a waiver for me because I was only 17 and uh, off I went. So uh, can you tell me about some of the military journey? Yeah, it was, uh, I was in for eight years, 17 to 25, and um, was started in, in Georgia, went to boot camp at Fort Benning, Georgia, home of the infantry. And um, after that, I went to Korea, was there in Korea, but then Fort Lewis, Washington State, uh, which was my favorite place to be in. I just love the Pacific Northwest and the, the, the seasons change and the, the scenery, beautiful out there. Um, and then got out of active duty right after 9-11, um, I, 9 11 happened right before I got out of active duty. Um, and then with the fear of being stop lost and all that, with the wars pending, uh, enlisted in the National Guard. It was only in the National Guard for less than a year. And then we got called up and, and uh, attached to an active duty infantry battalion. And we went over into uh, Beijing, which is the north end of the Sunni Triangle in Iraq. And we were there for uh, for a year running combat operations there. Uh, as soon as I got back from Iraq, uh, I was only in the Guard for about another four or five months. And uh, then I discharged out. Yeah. After that, uh, what brought you to law enforcement? Funny story, Michael. I never wanted to be a cop. My mom was uh, pushing me to be one. And, and uh, specifically when I was coming out of active duty, I was 21 years old and full of confidence and vigor. And uh, she said, hey, you should be a police officer. And my only experience of it with being a police officer was the, my hometown, which I have a great hometown, a very traffic heavy traffic enforcement. So my only experience with police growing up was a couple of traffic tickets I got very great experiences with the police officers, but um, I, I just didn't know there was more to it than writing traffic tickets. So it's something I resisted for a while. And when I went to Iraq, actually, uh, we did a lot of being infantry. Our mission is to kill or capture the enemy. I mean, that's what, that's what we're in existence for. Um, but over there in Iraq doing urban operations, a lot of para law enforcement operations, it really opened my eyes to building informants, having relationships with, with residents uh, in these towns, and they're trying to feed us information so we can help them. And it really opened my eyes like, whoa, there was a lot more than policing and writing tickets. So um, yeah, as soon as I came back, it was full speed ahead for that. So with, you know, law enforcement and military, those are both uh, or, uh, industries where, you know, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of, you know, terrible situations. How did you help your own mental health during this? Great question. Uh, I fall in a, a bunch, Michael, here. And, and since it's May, Mental Health Month, I think it's a great conversation. Um, yeah, I fall, I fall in a bunch of times, brother. Um, and, and keep finding ways to pick myself up. And uh, a lot of great support in my life, people that love me very much and help me through that. Um, but also, it's a belief in myself. It's... it's um, the one thing I had to really focus on is is getting through mental health for me personally has been shame is is I've had moments of great success and I'm feeling really on top of the world. And I've had moments where I'm, I'm uh, 
you know, laying in my foyer, my boxers thinking about like how my life has gone wrong. And if you look at those, that juxtaposition, um, it's, it's so vast and deep and, and I choose to stick on the positive side of things. So that's what helps me when I have a bad day or go through some bad moments, um, trying to deal with the trauma or the depression, um, to, to just realize that it's going to pass. It's not going to last forever. And I just remind myself that I think of myself on top of that mountain and think of myself that, that I'm was there once and I'm going to keep getting back there. So the climb is where it's at and, um, you can't be afraid of the climb and I've learned not to be afraid of it. Yeah. And, uh, I see you a lot on uh, LinkedIn, social media and all that, and you have very positive posts. So what brought you into, you know, being a motivational speaker? Never a plan for me. Uh, never a plan. Um, when I left policing two years ago, it, it wasn't uh, the most optimal transition for me. And I, I definitely left with my head hanging low, for sure. I uh, didn't feel really proud of myself, didn't love myself. I didn't feel all the great good that we did in policing, I, I felt like I was leaving on a low mark for me. So um, I was just trying to pay the bills and, and make it by and, and uh, bought this company from a retired police chief and, and had aspirations to grow it and build it up. Um, but truthfully, the, the, the heart of it is, is, is people were giving me feedback and it wasn't anything to do with background investigations. It was my heart. It was my message, you know, they, that they found that to be inspirational and, and, and all my mess to success stuff which I was hard on myself and I was beating myself up by hanging my head low. And I didn't make it to 25 years of policing, all the things that, that society tells us they're benchmarks for outcomes. And if you fall short of that, you're a failure. And uh, I had to work through that shame because I'm not a failure and it had a lot of success and I'm transitioning and pivoting that to other things. So it, for me, it's just been a mindset of framing that and, um, and realizing that, that mental health is part of this thing, man. It's part of life. It's part of the journey. Um, to be the most well-rounded human beings, we have to be spiritually, financially, physically, emotionally, mentally as balanced as we can be. And it's a never-ending journey. And uh, I think for me, when I started to embrace that and not be afraid of it, it changed my whole life. And uh, so, yeah, here I am today now, writing a book and, and speaking to people. And and um, wow, what a! And I don't even stop and think about it enough. So thanks for getting me to stop and think about it. It's pretty cool. Can you tell me a little bit about the process of uh, writing a book? Yeah, great question because I'm I think I'm messing it up. But uh I I um yeah, I hired hired a book coach, a great guy, phenomenal guy, professional, amazing guy. And then I clearly realized that I'm the problem, um, getting in the middle of this. So my my ideas and my passions and what I want are just so big and vast and my expectations sometimes are too high. So uh right now this process has been it's been stressful a little bit, to be honest with you, but I'm trying to have fun with it and, and realize that when this is over, I know I'm telling myself, when this is over, I'm gonna look back. And think about this journey and this experience. How do I want to remember it? So these are conversations I get to have with myself now that I wasn't thinking like before. So, you know, I'm having fun with it. I'm staying up till two in the morning sometimes and, and I'm kind of just going with the moment and the feel of what I'm doing. It's going to be really emotional. So it's, it's again, it's a messy process. I'm kind of like a painter. I'm throwing this stuff at the wall and, and this abstract painting, whatever trickles down and looks pretty is, is going to be pretty for me. It might not look pretty for others, but it definitely beautiful for me. Uh, I want to ask with uh, with the military and law enforcement, uh, those are two things that a lot of people don't talk about uh, mental health and their their feelings and everything. Do you see any changes lately that people are talking about it more? Yeah, absolutely. I see it, it, the vulnerability aspect of society. And, you know, I grew up where no matter what was going on inside of your house, we project 
perfection. We project greatness outside. We could get into, and I'm not even saying specifically my family. I've talked to other families. I think culturally back then, that's, that's how we did it. You know, we could get into violent domestics or be emotionally abused by someone in our family and then go outside of our house and smile and go to work and school. And that's kind of how it was. But we're suppressing all that stuff. Like that, that comes with a cost. There's a price with that. Um, but now if people are realizing, I'm realizing, I think society is that that, that cost is, can be pretty severe. Where if we just share a little bit, we just connect a little bit, we talk about it, not in the, not in the spirit of kumbaya or to just, just just never do anything impactful in life, but to get back on the horse, to get back on it. That's my thing is to stay in the game and to be sustainable and to be impactful for people. If I'm laying on my floor my, in my boxers feeling sorry for myself, that's not helping anybody. So <laughs> that is the, the message for me is to get back on the horse. Yeah, that's a good point because with me, uh, you know, diagnosed with uh, bipolar disorder too, uh, I was so scared for a long time to say anything because, you know, you you put on that smile, you're at work and uh, you don't show your real feelings, but that doesn't work. And uh, yeah, and, and, more- and, there, and, there, and there's a process to that too. And I think it's hard, you know, I was having a conversation with um Earlier in the week, I did a leadership workshop with, with a municipality, and we we're talking about this, that what where is the boundary? Where is the coming to work, and oh, I'm having a really bad day, and oh, can I tell you about everything, right? There's a there's a balance to that, too. You know, we can't sit here and talk about our feelings all day. We have work to do. So right. it's it's it takes strong leadership to recognize, hey, I want to build a culture where we can absolutely talk about this stuff, but also it's known and it's expected we talk about it in the spirit of getting over it, of overcoming, of, of establishing connection and, and keep moving to serve people, which is what hopefully we're here to do. And when you talk to people just, you know, that are excited to tell their story, how does it feel? For them or for me? Because I can for tell you, you for you. Oh, for me. Okay. For me, <laughs> I can tell you what I think they feel, but for them, uh, for me, it, it is amazing. I was in a conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania, two months ago, a month and a half ago. And at the end of my presentation, people were clapping. I saw in the front row, a couple older gentlemen had tears in their eyes. I mean, that wasn't even why I was, I wasn't trying to invoke any emotion. And I think that's what, for me, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just listening. I'm trying to observe and pay attention to the signs around me. And, and, you know, I'm there to teach leadership. And then there's come people crying in the front row. And then a guy comes up to me and says, I mean, we're almost nose to nose. And I'm a very open, touchy-feely person. But even me, I was like, caught me off guard. And he says, and we're almost nose to nose. He says, can, can I give you a hug? And then I start having tears coming at my face. And, and we gave each other a hug. And this is a stranger that four hours, I mean, I'm sorry, 75 minutes earlier, we didn't even know each other. And it's moments like that that I, I realize that, that that I'm on to something. I don't know what that is. That God is using me. He's working me for something. And and um, I, I'd be a fool to, to, to spit in the face of God. So wherever he's sending me, I'm going to just obediently follow. I see like the littlest, you know, compliments or even a high five or something. Just talking to someone makes the world a difference. Isn't that the truth when we lift yeah. each other up? Seriously, when we affirm each other. It, it, why don't we do that enough, Michael? Why don't we do that more? I'm trying. <laughs> Dude, you are. You are. You're, you're doing it, man. And, and what I love about you is, and what I appreciate you so much, it's the art. It's the passion. You're not considering likes or shares or reposts. You do it because you care about it and you want to do it. And that's over time for people like me as a legitimate, authentic consumer of people with content. That's why I keep coming back to him. Like he keeps showing up and doing this stuff and I, you keep getting my attention. 
keep it up, man. I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. I will. Uh, and with you too, I, I see all the, the positive uh, stories and uh, podcasts and everything. What made you go into like uh, the podcasts and all that field? I think for me, I, I, I just had too much negativity in my life, too much toxicity. Um, again, some of the ugly part, I love my military service, love my police service. And, and some of this will be in the book in detail, but there's also negative. There's a cost that comes with serving your country, serving the community for 21 years. I did that from 17 to 40. And, um, you know, there, there's a cost that comes with that. And for me, my emotional mental health took a huge call. I'm a, I'm a positive person. When I found myself being negative or critical of people, uh, 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 saying negative things about people who weren't even in the room, when we start to really do those things and, and be self-aware to it, I was like, wow, that, that, that is not me. It's not who I am. So I had to really explore like why I'm doing that. What is the, what is the reason my behavior is that? It's not enough for me to just accept I'm doing it. I need to know why and see if I can make changes. So that's, that's kind of where it was. And through that, I realized I have a lot more control to be more positive, not just for me, but for others. If I can start putting out content that is really positive and different and unique. And if it helps one person, it helps one person. That, that's what it is. And what I realized through that is the one person I was actually helping was myself. Um, and I was making myself feel good. I was bringing light into my life. I was bringing, hmm, I don't even realize I think of that. Sorry, man. No. It was, um, I was trying to fight that darkness, push that darkness out. And I, and I'm doing it now with, with all this positive stuff and having light and being around people with, with a lot of light. And, um, it, it means a lot to me. So thanks. 